be with you guys. Um, yeah, super privileged to be with you guys and hang out this morning. And uh, I love your vibe. It's just like you're, I maybe need to step back some. Am I causing some issue there? Just what, what you've got when you know who you are and you're comfortable in that. And I feel that with you guys this morning. And it's super cool. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but we had an opportunity a number of years ago. We were going on a vacation on the East Coast. And if you've ever been to the East Coast for vacation, South Carolina, North Carolina area, they have a bug issue if you stay on the coast. And so when you stay on the coast, you don't want a house that has a bottom floor. You want that thing on stilts. And we drive up to this house that I'd rented off the internet, and it had a bottom floor. And I'm like, oh, we got this bottom floor going on. What's going to happen? We go in, and it has this moldy smell a little bit. And I'm thinking, this could be bad. Uh, So we stay there a couple of days, and... I was sleeping peacefully at 4 a.m. I'm laying there, and you know that terrifying feeling when you're asleep and you're peaceful and you wake up and someone is standing over you blinking. My wife at 4 a.m. is standing over me and she says this, we're going home right now. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what are we, what? You know, you're getting the sleep out of your eye. You're trying to get a sense of consciousness And she goes, I got up to go to the bathroom, and there was a cockroach on the wall. (laughs) Now, if you rent a house in these spaces, they'll tell you, yes, palmetto bugs are a reality for this area. This is all branding and spin and marketing. If you stay on the coast, they have palmetto bugs, but it's a cockroach. (laughs) My wife says, I went to the bathroom, and there was one on the wall. I saw one on the hallway floor. We're leaving right now. I'm like, are you serious? Yes. We seriously packed up and headed home. Now, I live in Columbus, Ohio. We're about 10 hours away from that. We still got home. It's still light. We left so early. She takes every bag out of our van, places it on the front lawn, takes out every article of clothing, everything that we took, shakes everything. I'm just glad she didn't burn everything. Right? I was ready for that to happen. She was going to make sure that no matter what she did, nothing was coming into that house that we brought with us. Have you seen that show Hoarders before? Oh my gosh. I've only seen like two minutes of it. That's all I could handle. I wanted to go bathe in Clorox after I watched that. My wife's like, I never clean the house. She's like, why are you cleaning our house? I just got to do something. How crazy would it be on that show, Hoarders, if they're interviewing somebody and the person says this, I know that I've got a problem. I know it. And so I've called an exterminator and an exterminator is going to come out and spray for all the bugs and all the infestation. They're going to take care of everything because I want to make a change. If you're watching that and you see somebody say that, you go, what? So what if you're going to spray for all the bugs? They're going to come back because you're not cleaning up the junk. The junk that's there creates the conditions for the bugs. Now, I know you guys are in a space right now where you're focused on marriage and you've come out of the marriage retreat. And, oh my gosh, this is so personal for me. My wife and I have been married 14 years, but about seven years ago, I hit such a rough patch in life. I mean, I was dragging bottom. I didn't realize this, but I had built who I was around how well I could perform. And, and a, a venture that I had dedicated myself to. And I thought, hey, we're going to turn this around. It didn't turn around. 
My wife sold her engagement ring so the kids could have Christmas one year. I had to borrow my neighbor's truck for like 18 months. I'd open the pantry. I couldn't fix myself a box of Cheerios or the kids wouldn't have Cheerios the next day. I mean, I have story after story of just crazy stuff. They put a Ferris wheel, a little theme uh, park thing up the street from our house, one of these traveling carnival deals. And the kids are like, we want to ride the Ferris wheel. And I'm like, yes. You know, I've been saying no to so much. And yeah, I want to take you. It's like $5 a ride. And I couldn't even do that. I mean, it was razor's edge. We even faced eviction from our house, and I'm sitting on the deck of our house going, who am I as a man? I feel like I'm scraping the bottom. I can't even take care of my family. I felt completely defeated. And whenever you have something like that happen, it surfaces some junk. You see the bugs, but it surfaces the junk. And I started to pay attention to this junk, and I started to think about this, and I started to think about how it affected my marriage because I couldn't engage my relationship with my wife from a whole heart because I felt so insecure and defeated. And so I started reading a ton just on marriage, all I could devour. And I was so frustrated because I was reading through these books on marriage, and these are Christian books on marriage, and they would say things like, never say never or always. I'm like, okay, that's good advice, But when I feel insecure in the moment, I want to know why I'm saying never or always. I need something that's a little deeper than that, something that helps me. And so there was a process of just renewal and redefining that I went through. And I want to just give you a snapshot of that today. I'm going to draw your attention to a couple of verses on the screen that are going to help us frame what it's like to clean the junk out. So the bugs of all our relationships, specifically our marriages, can't multiply and take over. So if you want to look at the screen, let's look at Genesis And uh, we get a framing of what human relationship is like and what starts out, verse 16. And what happens here, this is is after the fall, and so they've existed in this idyllic state, and they've lost that. And that's reality for us now. And so, verse 16, to the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. Now, I just want to hold one thought for you right now. And I don't want this to be stereotypical. We're just sweeping in some broad strokes. Here, we have captured for us what happens at a baseline with marriage. And you know, the culture doesn't even know how to deal with this. That's why so many movies are just rom-coms that end at the altar, right? What happens after that? And so we get a picture here that the woman will desire her husband. Let's look at the next verse, 17 and 18. And to Adam, he said, because you've listened to the voice of your wife, you've eaten the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. Now, I want you to just get a sense here for what's happening for Adam and Eve and the gaze that they have. Where is Eve gazing her desire towards her husband? Where's Adam gazing to the soil? Now, I can just tell you, walk through a lot of uh, relationships, premarital counseling, uh, marriage relationships. This plays out so often. The woman will tend to build who she is around the relationship to the husband. And the husband will often build who he is around his relationship to work. Over and over and over again, I've seen this play out. And here I am, 
getting all thorns and thistles. And how do I relate to my wife? And I'm reading Christian books on marriage. And none of this is fixing anything about the fact that I feel like a failure as a man. Have you ever tried to fix a problem in your life and you do something and you make it worse because of what you try to do to fix it? I am horrible at home repair stuff. I mean, I'm telling you, it's like absolutely awful. Uh, I should not touch things at home because I want to take the quick shortcut and just get it done. I don't want to waste energy. And so this Christmas, uh, a couple weeks before Christmas, I had come home and our seat, our sink is leaking, our kitchen sink, and I've got to clean all this up and I've got to figure this out. And so I turn the water on and I'm looking up there and I'm seeing where it's dripping from and I can't get up there and twist anything and I, I tried to watch a YouTube video, it didn't do it. I'm like, I don't know what tool he's using and I don't even like to go buy tools because then I've got to use it sometime in the future, so that's not going to happen. So I'm looking at this thing trying to figure this out. And it's a couple weeks before Christmas. I don't want to call a plumber right now. You know, it's all about Christmas as that buildup happens. And so I'm getting creative. And I think, I bet I could spray some silicone spray up in there and just at least stop that from leaking and get us through till Christmas. You may know where I'm headed with this. So I go to the hardware store and I'm like, I need some silicone spray. And I got this issue, and here's the problem. Here's what I think I'm going to do to fix it. I'm, I'm expecting an expert guide at the hardware store. Is that a fair assumption? Like, you should know. He's like, yeah, that sounds like that might work. <laughs> so I go home, and I spray this stuff up there, and it stops most of the leak. There's just a little bit coming down still, but I set a cup out, and by the end of the day, the cup would be full. I'm thinking, man, this is good. <laughs> We're getting through to Christmas. We'll solve that problem later. Kick the can further down the road. So I get home, and this is like Wednesday night. It's late, and I go downstairs in the basement. It's a couple weeks after I fixed it, and there's a giant puddle of water in our basement. And I'm like, what? And I look up, and it's right underneath where that sink is. And I think, oh, my gosh. I call a plumber. You've got to pay the late fee at this point, right? It's late at night. He comes out. He's already been on so many runs, he doesn't even have any of his cheap units left because he takes it off and it's broken and busted and corroded. And he's like, there's a lifetime warranty on this and they'll replace it, but I don't have a cheap unit on my truck. End of the day, all I got is this $500 designer unit. If you saw my kitchen, you would be like, dang, you have the nicest kitchen faucet ever. <laughs> and it totally doesn't match your kitchen. I'm like, you don't have anything else? He's like, I don't have anything else. I'm like, man, I need some help here. I can't, I can't take care of that. I could write you a check now and a check that you could cash three months from now. That's okay with you? And so we work out this deal. He's trying to help me. He's like, why don't you go to Lowe's real quick, get a cheap unit? I'm like, ah, man, you know, my, my wife's out. I'm watching the kids. He's like, call her, see if she can get a hold of her. So I get a hold of her. She's going up to Lowe's right when the door's closing, locking, strike out. I guess it's crazy. The guy ends up working with me a little bit, thankfully. But that whole thing cost me hundreds of dollars more because I made the problem worse. And here's what I've seen couples do over and over and over. They try to solve the problem that they have with more intensity, which just causes more problems when they need more clarity. And I want to give you some clarity on how this works. And uh, when you're in the dating phase and you're starting to get attracted to each other, you minimize all the differences. You focus on what you share in common. So for those of you that are not yet married, here's a heads up on how this works. When me and my wife were dating, I was like, we're so similar. If you even talk to me about it, I'm like, we just, I'm, we love this 
She likes, I love that too. She likes that. I... Ask me two weeks after we get married. We are so freaking different. <laughs> I'm up in the morning. I'm ready to go. I get the death look from her until she's had her coffee. I'm like, we don't even, we barely like the same music. There's this very narrow overlap. That's what I was focused on when we were dating. And now I'm like, wait. She wants to spend money on groceries. I'm like, there's fried food and different dipping sauces. She's like, no, that's what goat cheese costs. And I'm like, I don't want to eat goat cheese. That sounds disgusting. I've met with so many couples that have sat down with me and said this. He just doesn't care about the marriage like I do. I invest so much energy in this relationship, he doesn't care. I read books. I want to grow our marriage. And, or or, or the, the husband saying, I read these books, and, I, and I'm reading, and I want to grow our marriage, and she doesn't want to read them. But yet she's over here saying, I don't always want to be working on growing our marriage. I just want to hang out with you. I like being with you, right? Two different styles of relating. Over and over, I've seen this to be true. And so here's the thing. As you progress through this period where, oh my gosh, we're so different. Around year 7 to 11, this is just from working with a lot of couples, those differences start to annoy the crap out of you. I'm just being honest, man. Some of you are like, I can't believe, yes, this happened. Some of you are in year 2 going, it's happening now. What's wrong with us? There's no normal. The same for everybody. At some point, these differences start to annoy you. And here's the thing. If you're not yet disappointed with your marriage you should be now give me a second I'm going to come back to that very few couples come to a space that they actually learn to appreciate the differences in such a way that it makes them more whole they learn more about who God is and how they can grow more into the image of who God has made them to be here's what I can tell you most couples do around year 7 or 11 those questions pop up and they just stuff them back down. We got to focus on the kids. Another decade later, those questions will pop back up. Stuff them back down. I can pretty much mark it down when somebody comes in to hang out with me by their age or how long they've been married, what issues they're facing. Year 7 to 11, what if I would have married that person? What if this would have happened? You start to get those what if questions. And now with Facebook, people get on there and they're like, oh, that's what their life looks like now. And you start comparing And the reason that we compare is because we feel insecure. How many of you know when you're driving on the interstate, everybody that drives faster than you is a jerk, right? Can we just say that? If they drive faster than you, they're a jerk. But if they drive slower than you, they're an idiot. That's it, man. Dude, you're my people. People do this all the time. See how big their house is? Or they just don't take care of their house. They should care more about where they live. Or or, do you know how obsessed about their health they are? Or they should care more about their health. Or do you see what they do with their kids and they're so strict? Or do you see how loose they are with their kids? In other words, we're God's perfect standard for how to drive, what kind of house to have, how to operate with your health, and how to parent your children. We do this because we feel insecure. And what do we do with this insecurity? We can't just fix it with more intensity. I just got to pray harder. I just got to read my Bible more. I just got to apply more effort and energy. I just got to spray silicone spray up into that issue and maybe it'll fix itself. And all the while, we still have the junk that allows these bugs to multiply. What do we do? 
How do we walk through this? What do I mean when I say if you're not yet disappointed with your marriage, you should be? I want you to look at James with me. Chapter four, just the first few verses here. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Wouldn't that be a huge thing to understand why fights and quarrels happen? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? Well, what passions are at war within you? Well, I can tell you as it applies to marriage, oftentimes men, we want to build who we are around our work. I'm defined by how well I perform. Or ladies, we want to define ourselves by our relationships. And again, this is not stereotypical. I can still insecurely build who I am around what my wife thinks of me. And for ladies, you can still insecurely build who you are around your work. So it cuts always. You desire and you do not have, so you murder. Now we know what the New Testament translates as murder, right? It doesn't actually always mean murder as we think about it. Jesus tells us about what happens in our hearts when that hate rages. It's when I've met with couples that are 20 years married, they sleep in the same bed, and yet they're more alone than ever. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Wait a second. You covet and cannot obtain. What can you not obtain? What do you want? What are you trying to get after? Verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. I love what James goes on to break down for us here as he says this. And some of you know it. So I'm going to let you fill it in for me. You do not have it because you do not ask who? God. You do not have because you do not ask God. Here's what I learned when I was sitting on the deck of our house. We faced eviction. I feel like I'm, I'm scraping the bottom of my soul. I've built who I am around what I think I can do at work, around what my wife thinks of me, around how well I do or don't provide. I've built my identity around everything else other than God. Guys, this happens in a thousand small ways in every relationship. A number of years ago, because of some commitments that we had made with our schedules, I really realized that I needed to start helping more around the house. See, here's what I had modeled for me growing up. My dad would get home. He'd sit down in his recliner. My mom would bring him his favorite tea. I'm still waiting on my tea. (laughs) My situation was different. And I had to really realize that there was a lot of selfishness in that. And, and I'm getting awakened to this. And I feel like God is speaking to me about this. And I need to grow in my ability to be a servant. And all of a sudden, I'm recognizing dishes don't magically put themselves from the sink to the dishwasher. Some of you guys need to learn that, right? And the kitchen trash doesn't automatically drop down somewhere and go out to the side of the road. And I'm paying attention and I'm noticing these things. And I'm like, this is serious immaturity. I need to get more mature. And so I'm over there loading the dishwasher and doing things around the kitchen He said, there's a problem. My wife isn't in the room. Why am I doing this? Have you seen that Seinfeld episode where George Costanza puts the tip in the tip jar? He doesn't get the credit for it. He reaches his hand back in. (laughs) Like, he's stealing. I'm like, I'm I'm standing here loading. Oh, I'm pro tip here. Oh, I'll, I'll make a little noise. Everything okay in there? Oh, oh, yeah. Did I, did I clink a plate? I'm just in here doing the dishes. In other words, 
I'm building who I am right now in this moment around what you think of me. And I'm not really doing it to serve you. I'm doing it because of what you can give me. I do not have because I do not ask God. I'm not asking God for who I am. I'm asking you for who I am. The number one lie that blocks a marriage from experiencing intimacy and health is not understanding that in insecurity we are hardwired in our brokenness and in our fallenness to build who we are around a thousand different things other than God. And yet the call of Christianity, the message of Jesus, his example to us is to build who we are around our relationship with God. But I can stand before you right now and tell you this. The chief description of who Chris McAllister is, I'm God's worthy and loved son, regardless of my performance. And out of that security, I can relate to my wife in such a way that I'm not trying to get from her in the relationship, but I can give to her. Maybe we could think about it this way. You could look at the screen as a way of framing this or as an idea, a saying. When you are in a fight with your spouse, this fight is about something bigger. You're saying to that person, will you define who I am? Will you define who I am? You could take right now and you just think through, what are the most recent fights you've had? What are the biggest ones? What are the ones that are repeating? Guys, this doesn't just apply to marriage. This is every relationship that you have. You look through the lens of this filter. What am I really trying to get from that person? You know, I I believe they're going to abandon me. So I'm going to insecurely latch on in a way that makes sure that they can't abandon me. And so when they walk in the door, I'm going to ask to see their cell phone, and I'm going to check through it because I just know they're texting somebody else. What are you going to do over time in that insecurity? You push them away. Why? Because you're building who you are around their response to you. You're not able to relate to them out of security. Now, obviously, there are things that happen in relationships, and you need to be wise, and stuff causes issues, and you've got to build up trust. But I am telling you this. No marriage can sustain the weight of saying to the other person, you're responsible for the needs of my identity. Maybe we could look at it this way. You can see this on the screen. The best human relationship will never answer the fears you have about who you are. All of us have fear. All of us. It doesn't matter who you are. Your fear may be that you're defined by your performance. Your fear may be that if you're vulnerable, you're going to be hurt. That's why when somebody gets close to you, you flash up a little bit, maybe pick a little fight to push them away. I'm not going to be vulnerable because you're going to hurt me. Maybe your fear is that you're going to be abandoned and betrayed. Maybe your fear is that nobody's going to be there to take care of your needs. Maybe your fear is you just don't have what it takes. What keeps you from entering into vulnerable connection with another human being that's life-giving and beautiful, that will pass through the space where your differences repel to the place that your differences attract. When you learn that human being can never answer the fears you have about who you are. That's why Jesus over and over is talking about fear. Because he wants you to know in him you don't have to be afraid because he's got all the love you need. One of the ways that Aaron and I connected was a number of years ago, we were in the process of a church launch. And when I had originally had the concept for this church in my head and heart, it was going to be like super aggressive and, and uh, graphics that were really in your face and 
everything in the church was about this, uh, what I would call now hype and bravado. And we're going to shock and awe you to pay attention. And I was talking about this with my wife. And she didn't say these words, but it's basically this. That sounds horrible. (laughs) And I started to pay attention to how she engaged church so different than me. And I realized that colors and, and the space mattered so much for her to feel safe and warm and comfortable. And it was a pivot moment for me. And I came to believe a reality that I've seen to be true over and over and over. God speaks to me through our differences. Talk about relaxing and serving one another. I believe God speaks to you through the differences that cause you to feel repelled. And I said, I believe God's speaking to me through the differences here. I need to pay attention to this. We changed everything about what we were doing with the launch. And after four years of pastoring that church and recently stepping away, I'm so proud of what we built and what's continuing there and how people over and over said, when I come in, and it's much like I feel here today, it feels safe, I feel loved, I feel accepted for who I am. I don't feel like you're trying to force something on me. I feel like you're inviting me into something. And I would have missed all that. The worst business decision I've ever made, still have consequences from it today, was because I didn't know how to pay attention to those differences and call it out and say, God, how are you speaking to me through this? Wherever you face conflict in a relationship right now, that conflict is about something bigger than whatever the conflict is. You're basically saying to that person, will you define who I am? This hit me with a lightning bolt one day. I'm in this space where we're just trying to make it week to week. We're hustling. Seven years ago, I think it was, um, and just a really, really dark period. And I come home, and my wife just has this passion for the, our house and keeping things updated and fresh. And it's like going to battle every day. It was crazy. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, this story popped in my head. I have all these stories from that time. I'm going through a McDonald's coffee line. And I get up there, and I order the coffee. And you talk about being at the bottom. This is lame. I didn't even have the money for the coffee. I didn't realize it. The lady felt so sorry for me, she pushed 30 McCafe coupons to me. <laughs> Hooked me up for like a month. I'm just telling you, this was a hard period. You're drinking McDonald's coffee. No. Um, <laughs> coffee lovers are like, I feel you. You're my people. So I come home in this period, and my wife, we're sitting down, we're talking. And she's like, we really need to refresh the paint on this wall. She knows where we're at. She's not saying we need to do it now. It's not about buying the paint now. She's just saying, I want to know that this is on your radar. You care about it off in the future. That's all. When you're insecure, you can't hear what's being said. I sit with so many couples where I'm like, she's saying A and you're hearing B because of your insecurity. Here's what I heard her say. You suck as a husband. You don't provide very well. In fact, I'm not even sure I'm glad to be married to you. Now, what am I ready to do right in that moment? One or two things, and I can tell you this. I'm reading your mail with this because it's the same for humans, and it's all throughout the Bible. You're either going to power up and try to prove something, or you're going to completely disengage and hide. Shame will always cause you to prove or hide. Sometimes I hide, sometimes I prove. In this space, I felt that welling up within me. 
And I had recognized too many conflicts that we had where all of a sudden I'm ready to be like, are you kidding me? Do you know where we're at? You know what I'm trying to do? Boom, I'm ready to prove. Rapid fire, I'm going to argue this into being right, which is always an effective strategy, right? Silicone spray up in the sink. It won't make the problem worse. If you ever in a space where as a response to conflict you try to prove or hide something, guess what you're going to do? You're going to fire off the fears of the person that you're married to. Because you marry your equal in emotional health, but you marry your opposite in personality. And so however you respond to fear is typically going to trigger their fear. And so for my wife, her fear is now triggered by my intense response. It's scary. So what's she ready to do? Prove or hide. Missiles crossing in the night. We're not even communicating. And so now our marriage is becoming a worst version of itself. It's degrading. Every conflict can be an opportunity for growth if you understand this. You're saying to another human being, you're not responsible to define who I am. And I remembered getting lightning bolt awareness on this before that proving response ramped up one more time. I went into the hallway bathroom of our house and I shut the door and I'm like, Jesus, I know what you're saying right now. This isn't about the wall. This isn't about the paint. It's about the fact that I feel insecure because of the hard circumstances that we're in. And I need you to remind me right now that I'm worthy apart from my performance. And that I'm loved for who I am. So I can go back out there and engage this conversation in a way that grows our marriage. Doesn't degrade it. Are you tracking with me on that? Now I wish that I could just have a ton more time with you on this. And so one of the things that uh, Church Project has done for you guys in your marriage, they want to invest in your marriage. I went on this search seven years ago, frustrated. I could not find the information that I needed to teach me how to relate to my wife out of security. And so I created it. And so we created an event called Marriage Shift, and we started doing these. And then it turned into something that we were actually able to put on video. And so when you leave today... There's a a fridge magnet for you. Because more than anything else, my hope would be this. That you would take this fridge magnet and you would put it on the wall. And I'm going to read what it says to you. It's not about the paint. And that you put this on your fridge. And when that fight happens later, time out, pause button. It's not about the kids' sports activities. It's not about the grocery bill. It's not about how your dad does this. I'm not saying we don't need healthy boundaries. It's about something deeper. It's about us learning who we are. And so that would be my hope, that at least this one thing could be triggered for you as a pause button, and that you go to Jesus for who you are, not the soil, not your spouse. But there's about 18 more conversations I'd love to have with you. Because when you know who you are, guess what you can do? You can think through what it means for healthy sexuality. You can think through what it means to have healthy in-laws, Uh, healthy boundaries with in-laws, what it means to have the way that you talk about money. Too bad I couldn't do a video on giving you healthy in-laws. That would like blow up (laughs) if that was true. Holy cow. Some of you were like, that exists? Where is it? But 18 HD videos where I walk you through how to have a secure marriage. And so what we do is we sell this online And we're able to work in partnership with churches when churches want to invest in their marriages to make it available to you at $25, which is crazy. So there's a URL here. It says marriageshiftonline.com. All you're going to need to add is forward slash sanctuary. If you add forward slash 
sanctuary. That's the portal because your marriage should be a sanctuary for the agreement that we have with Church Project where they've invested in you so you get it for like 75% off. Because our heart is just to spread this message. I know what it's like to be able to relate to my wife in a way that I recognize when I want to prove and hide. And I go, oh, I'm making you responsible for who I am. That seems like an unhealthy strategy. And I can bring all the intensity that I want to. But if I don't have clarity, I'm never going to be able to remove the junk out of the house of our marriage that keeps creating the bugs. You tracking with me on that? I'd like to lead you through a prayer time. Just let's get reminded about who we are in Jesus. Because Jesus wants to give us this gift even more than we want it for ourselves. And so if you want to take a moment, I'd like to just pray with you for a second before Aaron comes up here. And let's just ask the Father to bless us. If you pray with me, I'm going to carve out a silence moment here. And you can just pray this in your heart. Say, Jesus, will you remind me who I am? Thank him for whatever he gives you. If some of you are here this morning and you've never come to that space in life where you're like, I want Jesus to define me. That's what salvation is. Maybe for you it's a prayer of saying, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to define me. And for those of you that have the courage to pray this, Will you show me anywhere I'm building my identity around something other than you? Just pray, help me change that. Father, for each person here, I pray that by the grace of your spirit and the power of your son's name, by the goodness of who you are as a perfect heavenly father, we would live out of that core who we are in you. Thank you. It's in your name we pray.